just deeply grateful tonight. Humbled and grateful for you to come to this service and deeply grateful tonight that we have the truth of God's word and his spirit to apply it to our hearts tonight. I invite you to turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 17, if you brought your Bible, and <clears throat> I hope you do. Every service, I've been trying to take a look in parts at the prayer that Jesus prayed on this final night when he was with these disciples. He had huddled them close into this upper room in these chapters, in these hours before he's going to be arrested and then crucified the next day. And somewhere in that evening, we don't exactly know where, he had gone out, and this is the prayer that some 60 years later, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> inspired John as he heard the bits and pieces of it all to kind of put it together and give us this picture, this incredible picture of the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. I just love that about this prayer. I, I can't get over it that if you've ever wanted to be a fly on the wall in something, if you've ever been known of one of those important meetings that you just would have just given anything to just be a fly on the wall to see what happens. And we get to be a fly on the wall to see literally this, uh, this conversation, this interaction between Jesus and the Father. And what I love about it so much is that it is Jesus I was just having this conversation this morning with Claude Nichols. I don't know if he's here tonight. What I love about it is you're seeing the very thing that Jesus said he's gonna have with the disciples. You see him living in this abiding relationship with the Father, and you get to see what that looks like. This, what, what does it look like to abide in him and he in us? And as you see Jesus living that out, in chapter 15, he's turned to the disciples and he said, you know, everything I've had with the Father, that, that's what you're going to have with me. This abiding and the sourcing of your life and me living in you and working through you in the 24-hour-a-day presence, the presence of Jehovah, 24 hours a day within us and everything, troubles vanish, everything is taken care of in living in that. And he's been praying that for for the disciples, that's what this whole prayer is about, that as Jesus has experienced this, it is now being conveyed, it is, is now being offered to the disciples. And so for me, as I look with keen interest at the prayer, I'm learning all these valuable things about that relationship, about what that looks like and how it works and, and how Jesus thinks. And I shared earlier, I, I wanna think like Jesus. John's thinking doesn't work so well. But I wanna think like Jesus. I wanna have, as Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So in the prayer, one of the things we see as we come to verses six through eight tonight, I hope you'll turn with us. In verses six through eight is we get a little bit of a glimpse into how Jesus thinks about his kingdom and how he thinks about ministry and how he, how he thinks about how how life is lived out here where the rubber meets the road in, in this world, how ministry works. And I don't know, how about you tonight? I really, I really wanna have Jesus' view of ministry. Because you, you know tonight that the world has such a different view of things than, than the kingdom. You, you know that tonight, right? You know that the world doesn't think the way that God thinks, that the world has its own way of thinking, the world has its own wisdom. 
And, and Paul, Paul even talked in, in 1 Corinthians about the wisdom of this age versus the wisdom that is from God. And, and the wisdom of this world doesn't work, you know. It doesn't work. And it especially doesn't work when we try to take the wisdom of this world and the way the world thinks and its, its paradigm and its, its formulas and what works. And when you try to take that and, 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 and force it into the kingdom, it just doesn't work. And too often times in my life, in my ministry, in church ministry, maybe you've experienced this as well, too often in the church, I have tried to take the thinking of the world and, and, and adapt that to the church, and it just doesn't work. Because this is the body of Christ, this is the kingdom, and God has his own way of operating, doesn't he? God has his own thinking, he has his own paradigm. And, and I feel today that there's, there's way too much, I'm not gonna point fingers anywhere except myself tonight, but there's way too much of trying to take what the world thinks and try to operate that way in the church, in the kingdom. So I'm, it's, it's with keen interest tonight that I come to this as uh, Dr. Paul Whiteford shared this mor- last night about, uh, was it this morning, about coming open. I wanna be open to what Jesus wants to teach me. So I would read with you this evening, verses six through eight in John 17. Jesus says to the Father, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Jesus, if there's anybody here tonight that needs a paradigm change, it's me. Maybe there's more of us tonight, Jesus, that we struggle and we we try and we feel the pressure of this of my performance, I, we feel the pressure of, it rides on our shoulders, we, we feel the pressure of success, we feel the pressure of needing to be something, we desperately fear failure, we fear rejection, we fear hurt. But tonight, Jesus, I, I pray in your name, in the name of Jesus, tonight, that you would, by the power of your spirit, do a work in our minds. You, Paul said that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I'm, I'm asking you tonight, Jesus, that that would be true. And Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place, by the power of your word, you do work not only in our hearts tonight, but in our minds. Even maybe just a little more tonight than you've ever done before. To cause me, to cause us to operate, not as the world, that well, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Make it so tonight, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The absolutely strong sense that you get from verses six through eight, I hope you'll give me a little bit of a a leniency to kind of experiment with words I I shared before. I'm constantly trying to come to the word. You understand that uh, the word of God is written in a language and in a culture that is way removed from us, and yet God communicated his truth to that people, through that language, in that culture, through those authors in that day. And one of the things 
of biblical interpretation for us is to try to understand the concept, the truth that is there, and to take that truth over to our day and say, how does that truth speak to that same truth, which is the same yesterday, today, and always, and how does that speak to me? So one of the things I'm constantly open to and thinking about and praying about is, Lord, how does that truth speak to me in my day through language that makes sense to me? And I would say to you tonight that one of the strong concepts of the prayer here that is regarding ministry and, and what Jesus is trying to share about the disciples and with the disciples is what I would call the idea of conveyance or flow, if you prefer. That one of the things you see so clearly is that Jesus is just dead set. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no, I mean, there's just, there's no question about it. There's no, there's no uh, lack of clarity about it. There's no ambiguity at all for Jesus. He conveys the idea in the prayer that everything that he has and everything that he is is being conveyed to him and through him from the Father. Everything. Jesus is absolutely dependent. We shared on the first night. He is desperately dependent upon the Father and everything. He looks to the Father as his source, his provision, his supply, whatever word you want to use is fine with me. But everything is being conveyed to Jesus and through Jesus to the disciples. Just look at verse six through eight. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Conveyance. Everything is from the Father. Now they have known, verse seven, that all things which you have given me are from you. That's kind of redundant. You know what I mean? If you've given them to me, then obviously they're from you. But you'll notice the repetition, almost ridiculous repetition in Jesus' words and in the way he speaks. All things that you have given me are from you. Verse 8, for I have given to them the words that you have given to me. They have received them and they have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me over and over multiple times in multiple facets, Jesus communicates this concept of conveyance, or if you, like term, if you like the term better, a flow. Everything is flowing from the Father to Jesus and now through Jesus to the disciples. The most emphatic statement of the passage is in verse seven. Again, I, I, showed, I pointed out the repetition. They have known that all things... What things? All things. You know what the Greek word for all literally means? All. Yep. All. All things which you have given me are from you. Now, in, in the Greek language, there were certain ways to emphasize words. You know, it's important sometimes when you're communicating something, you know, you want to you emphasize certain words to kind of make a point. Now, in our day, um, you can get one of those, uh, you can do all capitals. Has anybody ever gotten one of those all capital text messages before? The person is emphasizing something. Now the exception to this is my mom who just forgets to turn off her capitals and so it's all capitals all the time. But aside from that, you get one of those messages and it's all capitals and you kind of go, whoa, the voice is raised, it's emphatic. Now, in the Greek language, what they had is order of words, and you could emphasize certain words by the order in which you put them. 
And it is clear in the original language that the last, what we have in our verse seven, the last two words are clearly underlined. If, 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 if Jesus were sending a text message, the last two words would be all capitals. From you. From you. In other words, the Father's the source. The Father's the supply. The Father is the provision. The Father is not only the provider, but one of the important concepts here that's really all throughout Scripture, especially the New Testament, is the idea that God's provision, and we believe tonight that God is our provider, amen? As we heard so beautifully in the song. God is our provider, but one of the crucial concepts here, it's fundamental for us, it was fundamental for the disciples, and it's absolutely critically fundamental for us, is that God's provision is never separate from him. In other words, the provider is the provision, if that makes sense. See, this, this concept, notice in verse seven, keep going back to that verse, but notice in verse seven how Jesus says, all things which you have given me are from you. Do you see that? It's not all things you've given me were from you as if they're now, that's past, as if they were the fathers and now they belong to Jesus. Jesus is communicating this idea of constant conveyance or flow, you see. See, the idea is that the provision is never separate from the provider. In other words, all things that you've given me are from you. In other words, they're still yours, but now they're taking place in me, if that makes sense. They are from you. And what you have, Father, and what you are is being conveyed and is flowing through me, is taking place in me, and is flowing through to the disciples. See, that, that's, that's a little bit hard for me to get my brain around because it's not the way our world works. See, in our world's economy and the way the world works, in this physical world apart from God in which we live, there, when you own something, you own something not somebody else. You don't share it with somebody else. There's not, or in rare cases maybe, but usually it's not a shared ownership. See, when I talk about my possessions, it's my, it's my car. It's my property. It's my dog. It's my Ohio State tickets. Mine, it's mine, not yours. It's my property. My dog, my car, my Ohio, State, my Ohio State tickets, mine. Now I may give them to you and I may say, oh, here, I'm giving to you a gift. And in the world, when you give a gift, it's the idea that this, this item, this thing leaves the possession of one person and it's literally transferred to the ownership of another person. Is that correct? When somebody gives you a gift, for example, uh, you know, it's uh, your birthday or it's Christmas. Somebody put a lot of thought into this. They purchased something, Amazon Prime, they, whatever, they, they purchased something and, and now it, it was in their possession, but they literally gave it to you and it's now in your possession, not their possession. It left their possession and now it becomes your possession or vice versa. It leaves your possession and becomes their possession. Does that that's what, make sense? But that's not what this is. See, it's critically important to understand that whatever God gives, it's not leaving him 
and becoming yours. It's not leaving the Father and becoming the possession of Jesus. The idea is of a sharing. The idea is of a conveyance. The idea is that it is still the Father's, but now what is the Father's is being given to, oh, not separate from the Father, but it's actually the Father living in him, being what he is through him. It's now being what the Father is conveyed in and through Jesus. Does that make sense? One of, one of the best ways we understand this is in the passage, it's so clear as we study 1 Corinthians 12 on the spiritual gifts, you know. And all the time, you know, when we talk about the spiritual gifts, you know, hey, we get, a, we get really excited about spiritual gifts and, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting topic and it's, you know, it's easy to get a lot of interest about that. And what happens when we talk about spiritual gifts is we get all excited about what my gift is. What's, hey, that's my gift. Oh, I took the test. This is my gift. What's your gift? And it's like the idea is that God gives you these gifts. You've got a spiritual gift now. Oh, you've got a gift of discernment. Oh, you've got a gift of wisdom. Oh, you've got a gift of teaching or whatever it is. And the idea often in our minds is, oh, there's God. He's out there. He gave you this gift. But you understand that's not how the gifts of the Spirit work. You understand that what happens is God doesn't give you something. You understand that what happens as a Christian is that Jesus, by his spirit, comes to live in me. And now it's not, he doesn't give me wisdom. He is wisdom within me. You understand? He does, I don't have discernment that Jesus kind of sent to me via UPS or whatever. It's not that Jesus sent me wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, for the wisdom. It's that he comes within me and he is my wisdom. That's the same with the fruit of the Spirit. You understand that God doesn't, there's not this substance in heaven called love. There's not this other compartment called patience. See, and we ask God for patience. Anybody need anybody? To, anybody need some tonight? I really need some patience, God. So God says, okay, patience on the way. You understand what happens is that everything that he is when he comes to live inside of us by his spirit, he brings everything that he is. And when Jesus comes to live inside of me, I get his patience. I get his peace. I get his joy. I get his love. Now granted tonight, the fruit of the spirit has to grow, amen? Nobody's got this all down yet. But the crucial concept here, you understand, is that it is never, ever, ever separate from him. He comes to be within us everything that he is. That's the idea of the conveyance here, crucial concept. So I, I stop asking God for things and I just begin to say, okay, Jesus, uh, this situation really calls for patience, so you're gonna have to really produce your patience in me through this, Jesus. You that live inside me. Hey, Jesus, this really needs a lot of strength. So Jesus, you're really gonna have to be a lot of strength inside of me through this thing. Hey, Jesus, I really need some hope. So you're gonna have to fill me with your hope in this situation. The provision is never separate from the provider. Now, why does God do it that way? Because doesn't it stand to reason? He never wants us to operate separate from him. See, God longs for relationship, doesn't he? He longs for oneness and he longs for the, the closeness and the intimacy and he longs to just live inside of me and be my all in all and to know me. And we talked the other night about knowing him and this connection and God desires that. So God doesn't want to give me something so I can say, thank you, God, I'll, I'll come back when I need more. 
He doesn't want me to operate separate from him. He wants me to operate moment by moment by moment in him. Does that make sense? He wants to operate moment by moment by moment. He, say, he wants to say, John, I, I don't want you to go do your thing. Hey, I want to be in you, man. I want to be in you as you operate. I, I want to be your thing. I want to go to school with you. Amen. <laughs> I want to go down to your job with you, man. I want to drive that delivery route with you. I want to wash dishes with you. I want to, I want to conduct household chores with you. I, I, want to, I want to, whatever it is that you've got going on, I, I want to be in you and I don't want you to operate separate from me. I want to be everything. I want intimate connection with you and want to operate in you and through you. Are, you. are you operating that way today? I've had to ask myself, Jesus, how many times in my life have I come to ask you for something and then went out like as if you were separate from me? When all the time, Jesus, what you wanted to do was just in me moment by moment and be everything I need. That's a wonderful truth tonight, everybody. That Jesus is gonna, the Jesus who is all in all, the Jesus who is all of the fruit of the spirit that you named tonight, that, that is him, that is who he is. And to think about tonight that he can be that wherever we are and whatever we're in the middle of, moment by moment by moment through our days. Now in the prayer, the way he prays about all this, there's a couple things about this. The way, the way he prays about that truth, this conveyance, this flow, this provision in him. The way he talks about that reveals some interesting things. Number one is Jesus just talks about this like it's a fact. Like it's, it's not like something he's trying to convince anybody of. He's basically saying, anybody remember uh, Dragnet? Just the facts, ma'am. This is literally just the facts. This is literally just the way the kingdom operates. This, uh, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved, this is the way the kingdom operates. It is him in us, him through us, the conveyance, the flow of who he is, that's the way it operates. A second thing that is very evident in the prayer, especially in verse eight, is Jesus felt desperate. You wanna talk about desperate? All throughout this prayer you see it. Jesus was absolutely desperate that the disciples would get this concept. He was absolutely desperate that the disciples would understand that the kingdom does not depend on them because you know how us disciples are. We tend to think that. Especially as preachers. We tend to think everything rides on us. I tend to think, hey, the weight of the world's on my shoulders. I tend to think, hey, this rises and falls on me. And I tend to think, oh, it was my fault if it was bad. It was my credit if it was good. I tend to think all that stuff. And Jesus knew those guys are never gonna make it they're never gonna make it. There's gonna be no fruit of the kingdom if they think that. So it was, he was desperate that they would get that. Look at verse eight. Look at what Jesus kind of, if you can read between the lines, look at what he kind of like rejoices over. I don't know if Jesus and the Father gave high fives or whatever, but if, if he did this fist bump, it would have been over this. Verse eight, look at what he gets excited about. He says, Father, I've given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. yes. And they have known surely, yes, that I came forth from you. And they have believed, yes, that you sent me. Yes, Father, they're getting it. They're getting it. Oh, I understand, Father, they don't, they don't have it all together. I know that. 
I know they got a lot of faults and I know they got a long way to go, Father, but oh, they're getting this idea and they've gotta have that because this family, beloved in Christ tonight, this is the central linchpin of the kingdom. That it is a flow. The kingdom, the life of God, the life of Christ, evangelism, missions, the whole work of the kingdom operates on this very principle tonight. It is not what you and I do. It is not dependent upon me. It is the conveyance and the flow of who he is through us. That's the kingdom. That's how missions works. That's how evangelism works. That's how discipleship works. That's how the body of Christ operates as a body with the gifts of the Spirit and stays together. Not because one or two or three or whoever has an ability and they can get it done. No, we can't get it done. It is the conveyance of him. And this is the fundamental linchpin of all ministry. Remember we shared the other day, a linchpin in a legal case, when you watch the old uh, Perry Mason or uh, Matlock, the linchpin is, oh, this, this thing right here in this case, this is the linchpin of our legal case. If we don't have this, the whole thing falls apart. Now, uh, linchpin is also a mechanical term, and uh, I don't know very much about that because uh, uh, me and Paul Whiteford both took the same approach in high school, and uh, we didn't take, so see, if I would've known I was gonna be a preacher, I don't want to discourage anybody, but instead of advanced biology, I would have taken shop. I knew I was going to be a preacher. I would have taken shop. Auto shop. We understand a linchpin is like, it's the thing, it's this pin on the end of a rod, like especially an axle maybe that maybe holds the wheel on. It's that pin you put in the end that keeps the thing on. And literally without the linchpin, the wheels are going to fall off. And that's true in this, in the kingdom. See, if we miss this, if we miss this, if we miss this concept of the conveyance of the flow, it's him in us. It's him working through us. That's how Jesus operated. It's how we operate. Jesus operated by the Father flowing, conveying in and through him to the disciples. He's praying, oh, Father, these guys gotta get this because the rest of the kingdom's gonna depend upon these guys being the vessel, being the avenue through which I flow, through the Spirit, through which I convey everything that I am to the world. And if they don't, if they don't get this, the wheels are gonna fall off the church. You understand how importantly Paul felt about this. If anybody understood this, if anybody was sold out, if anybody bet the farm on this truth, it was the Apostle Paul. If anybody understood it, it was him. It's all throughout his letters. I don't know why, but I especially find it in the letter to the, in the Corinthian letters. And maybe that's because they were such a difficult church. I don't know. He had to keep reminding himself of it. I don't know. But in the Corinthian letters, it's all over in the Corinthian letters. You know that wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, where he says what? We have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's him. It's Christ. Christ in us. That's the treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You're an earthen vessel tonight. I'm an earthen vessel. One translation says, cracked pots. <laughs> we have this treasure in cracked pots. 
in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You hear the concept? It's not us, we're just the pot. We're just the vessel through which he conveys, through which he flows, understand tonight? We're the dispenser. That's what you are, you're a dispenser. You know that thing on the sink in the bathroom, you know? You know the soap dispenser? That's what we're made to be. We're not made to be some, inor- some ornate, elaborate thing tonight. We're just made to be the simple, plastic, soft soap dispenser that gets to dispense the life of Jesus as he conveys himself through us. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians 4. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beautiful passage again, Paul says these words. He's, I, I, I pray these words for myself almost before every sermon. He says, I was with you, verse three, chapter 1 Corinthians 2, 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You didn't know the apostle Paul felt that way, did you? You didn't know John Juneman feels that way, do you? I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why? It's his conveyance, not mine. And maybe best of all, back to 2 Corinthians, but that, that incredible passage in chapter 12 where Paul shares that he had some kind of an ailment, some kind of a, what he calls a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, whatever it was, bodily ailment, some kind of problem, but something that was overwhelming to him, something that was severe and urgent enough to him that caused him to literally, he says in verse eight, he says, I pleaded with the Lord. You ever plead with God over anything? I pleaded, that's pretty severe. It's not some small thing. Yeah, I had a mosquito bite. Well, Jesus helped me, you know. He said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. That's something pretty serious, everybody. That's, that's a burden. That's something pretty heavy. That's something pretty big in your life that fills up your view and is a big burden in your life. And he says, I pleaded with the Lord. This, this thing was weighing me down. And so God answered, Jesus answered and said to him in verse nine, you know the words. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's answer to that, it's amazing. He says, therefore, I will gladly, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hear what he's saying? All throughout his ministry, all throughout these words, he's saying, church, I want you to get this. I'm reminding myself of it. This is the reason preachers preach, you know, to remind themselves of the truth. 
I'm reminding myself of it as I preach it. I'm reminding myself of it day by day as, 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 I'm, as I'm saying it to you, as I'm writing, as I'm penning this letter. I'm reminding myself, I'm reminding you that this is the fundamental of the kingdom, that it is not me. It is Christ through me. It is his flow. It is his conveyance. This does not depend on me. I'm just the vessel and I can boast in my infirmities and my weaknesses because it's his power in me and not me. This is crucial. I propose to you tonight that if we, as the church, if we as the holiness movement, if John Juneman misses this concept, we miss the boat completely. If we miss this, we will operate as the world does. We will by default, I will by default, if I don't understand, if I don't have embedded in my heart and mind this concept, this truth of his conveyance, of his flow, of him in and through me as Jesus lived in, with, with the Father in and through him. If I don't have this, I will revert to the way of the world. And this may be simplistic tonight. It may be overstated. I apologize if it is, but in my observation, I can summarize, at least in my own life, the approach of the world comes down to two things. We either, when we think it depends on us, we either worry about it or we work at it. We worry about it or we work at it more or some combination of the two. But you understand in this prayer, Jesus is desperately praying and he's saying, Father, we're calling these guys out of the world. He says in verse six, I've manifested your name, John 17, six. I've manifested your name to the men you've given me out of the world. Oh, Father, we didn't come to just kind of go into the world and make some men better. We didn't come into the world. We didn't, I didn't come, Father, just to kind of select some people and just kind of shine them up and clean them up a little bit. And hey, they still operate by the principle of the world, but they just kind of act better. And you know, they, they don't do the bad things anymore. And you know, now, now they can say, we don't drink and we don't chew and we don't go with girls that do. And they just kind of, you know, they're all cleaned up and they, they're, they're kind of follow all the rules. No, Father, I came, you sent me, you and me, so that, hear me tonight, so that what was happening in Jesus, the very dynamic that was happening in Jesus could be reproduced in them. That they could be radically different from the world. And you understand, as he goes down in the prayer, he doesn't pray that God would take us out of the world. We wish he would. But the Father, you would sanctify them by your truth in the middle of the world that you would cause them to be different. That Father, as the world, now that they are in the world, but they are not operating by a completely different principle. In the world, it was all about what you can do, how good you are, how talented, how able, whatever you can pull off. And now, Father, there is a, there is a different kingdom principle, what you've done in me, I'm praying what happened in them, and to such degree that when they are in the world, the world can see a different principle at work. Down at their jobs, down at their school, down at their church. And by the way, tonight, beloved, don't assume blindly that everything that happens in church and the way we operate in church 
is according to the kingdom principle. So that even at their churches, Father, oh, that they'd go back from a camp psyker. They'd go from, back from a camp psyker and they would go back to their church. And by the way, we're going back, everybody. We're going back. It may be tomorrow or it may be on Monday or it may be Sunday night, but we're going back. And I, like, I guess I like to say this at every camp, but beloved tonight, if camp meeting doesn't, if God can't do something in us here and if something doesn't happen in us this week that causes us to be different when we go back, then it's not worth having. I love this place. I love these people. I love this event. But man, if it's not something that causes us to be different when we go back to our local church, when we go back as better servants, we go back with a more Christ-like attitude, we go back more holy than we were when we left, we go back and we're a better support to our pastor. If we can't go back and operate more by the principle of the kingdom than the prince of the world than when we left, then something's wrong. So Father, I'm praying that the principle that's in me would would take place in them. And, and he summarizes that down in verse 23, maybe most clearly of all. He says, Father, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know, may know the world, the world that watches them, the world around them, the world at their church, the world at their, at their job, the world at their school, the world down at Walmart, wherever they are, the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That the world, there will be a difference in them, Father. A difference. They are to be the evidence. Father, they are to be the evidence that this works. They are to be the evidence that this wasn't just something that just happened in Jesus. But that as Paul writes in Romans 8.29 and Colossians 1.18, that Jesus was to be the firstborn among many brethren. That we are to be the reproductions of his life. That as Martin Luther is attributed to saying, or C.S. Lewis later, that we are to be the little Christs. We are to be the, the little vines, the reproduction of what he is. Can I ask you tonight, in your church, can I ask you tonight, students at your school, are you the evidence of the flow of God, that it works. Can I ask you tonight, what would happen? What would happen in my life tonight? What would happen in my life this week? What would happen in my life over the next weeks, the next months, this next year until we meet again? What would happen, beloved in Christ tonight, if I could make that focus the focus of my life Simply as Jesus says, if, if no other word, if I don't hear any other word tonight, then I would take his all capital words of verse 17 and make that the focus of my life. From you. What would happen in my life if that became the focus? Instead of the world's approach, instead of every time I'm tempted to think, I have to worry about it or I have to work more at it. Every time I think it depends on me. And by, by the way, tonight, everybody, well, this happens a lot in my life more than you know. Every time it's all about me, every time I gotta get it done, every time there's something, instead of that, what it, God, could you, could you, Jesus, tonight rewire my brain? You do that. 
You transform us by the renewing of our mind. Could you tonight give me a new focus from you? From you, not from me, from you. And I am the conduit. I'm not the dispenser. I just want to be the avenue of your conveyance, your flow of all that you are. I say again tonight, everybody, this is the linchpin of all ministry. Without this, we're just the world. Without this tonight, in spite of all our good works, in spite of all what we do, in spite of all our good deeds, in spite of all our good efforts, in spite of all our good intentions, if I don't operate on this principle tonight, I'm simply the world in Christian clothing. This is the linchpin. Without this, the wheels fall off the kingdom. The, the wheels fall off the church. The wheels fall off the whole thing tonight. So, but to know this, from you, I'm gonna ask Grace to come tonight and, and, and Ron to begin to help us. But what if I could begin to know this as Jesus states it as a fact. He just states it as a fact. Father, this is the way it works in the kingdom. What if that became a fact in my life? From you. From you. Everything is from you. You're the provider and you're the provision. Whatever I need tonight, from you. Whatever needs to happen tonight in this service, from you. From you. Boy, it takes the pressure off. It takes the worry out. Jesus, whatever needs to happen under this tabernacle tonight, I'll tell you this tonight, Jesus, from you. Whatever's gonna happen is from you. It takes the worry out of it for me. It changes the nature of the work from feeling the weight of the work of the kingdom and the work of the church on our shoulders. Boy, we get weighted down sometimes in the church. You ever see all the weighted down Christians in church sometimes? We kind of come into church sometimes just kind of pretty heavy. But man, we should have this joy this lightness about us. There should be just this spring in our step. There should be this song in our hearts. I'm not talking about Pollyanna tonight, you know. I'm not talking about some, you know. I'm, I'm not talking about the joy of the Lord, the lightness. As Brother Paul preached, my, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light tonight. Man, if it's, if it's from you, there's no responsibility. I mean, I'm, I'm responsible to respond to him. That's true. This isn't some lazy Christianity where I just go drink sweet tea. We drink sweet tea in Tennessee. You know, we, I just don't go drink sweet tea you know, all day long, say, hey, Jesus, you know, whatever. I, I'm available and it's him. But wouldn't it be amazing if the whole thing is on his shoulders, not mine? What a freedom. What a joy. What's the alternative to that? Instead of, instead of having to work hard, you know, when, it, when, it's not, when it's not Jesus and it's me, I gotta work and I gotta work and I gotta do better. You, you know how it is. Man, I gotta do better and I, I can live. Some of us tonight, some of us tonight live in the fear of failure. We live in the fear of rejection. We live in the fear of hurt. And I know it tonight because I'm one of them. We live in fear of that stuff. 
But man, we don't have, this is him. And this was so crucial for the disciples that man, guys, it's gonna be me through you. And it's, listen, your job is to abide. Let the fruit thing be mine. Hey, your job is to abide in me and I in you. And you leave the rest to me. And you guys just be available. Let me work through you. And you'll be available 24 seven. I'm gonna use your hands. I'm gonna use your voice. I'm gonna use your feet. I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna work through you, but it's gonna be me working through you, conveying who I am through you. Man, you can almost start to be excited. Holiness people could start to smile, I think. Man, we, we could start to be joyous. This, this could start to be like, wow. Well, thank you, Jesus. Because that could mean that no matter what's happened in my life, if it's from you, the man, it doesn't depend on the circumstances, doesn't depend on how I'm feeling, doesn't depend on how lousy I am at whatever I'm doing. If it's from you, then man, that takes all the pressure off. And Jesus, I can even begin to thank you for my situation. I can begin to thank you for my weaknesses. I can begin to thank you if I'm sick. I can begin to thank you and just praise you. Man, it's like, you know what we sing in the doxology, right? Everybody knows the first line of the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Wow. What a way to live. Praise you, Jesus. It's, oh, it's a nice idea tonight, John. We know how you stand up every other night and give us these nice idealistic, that's really nice, idealistic messages. That's very nice. Good camp meeting message, preacher. Bless your heart. That was neat. Kept us awake for 45 minutes. Praise God. There's no pie in the sky. You heard what Paul said. You heard what he said. This works. This worked in the life of a man, just like you and me. This works. This works when he got beat. This works when he's shipwrecked. This works when he's left for dead. This works when he's in a Philippi jail at midnight. This works. And I'm asking you tonight, is there anybody here that wants it to work in you? Is there a person here tonight that says, man, I'm sick of operating like the world does. I, I confess tonight, man, I have so many patterns. I, I, I worry about it and I work at it. And that's my, that's my fallback, that's my rut, that's my pattern. But tonight, man, Jesus, I want you to instill your kingdom principle in me. I wanna know, I wanna live in the truth of everything from you, that whatever I need tonight, whatever's going on, whatever I'm stepping into, I wanna know it's, I wanna just live in the flow of from you. You're the provision and you're the provider. And whatever I need tonight is in you tonight, Jesus. And I just wanna live in the flow of you. And I understand tonight, everybody, I understand. I understand better than anyone. That's a process. I understand that tonight. Wouldn't it be something? Can I invite you to this tonight? Is there anybody here tonight This says, Jesus, I really need this. I really need you. I really need this, you at work in my life in this way, the conveyance and flow of who you are. I really need it tonight. So Jesus, I know I'm gonna go back home in a few days or a week or whatever, and I know, Jesus, I'm gonna face new challenges, and I know I'm gonna need to grow more there. I'm not all done yet, amen, amen but could you do something in me tonight? 
Could you do something in my mind? Jesus, could you do something in John Juneman's mind tonight? Could you rewire? Could you transform? Could you do something in my heart tonight that makes this more real than ever? That it works. And I'll tell you this tonight. If there's a person here that'll take that step and allow that to happen in you tonight to let him take you further than you are. I promise you this. The world around you is gonna see a difference. So as Ryan leads us tonight, would you like to step out tonight? Is there anybody? Anybody need him tonight? Maybe you'd like to come and kneel at an altar. Maybe you can't kneel, but you'd like to sit on the front row. Maybe tonight you'd like to raise a hand to him because you're so desperate. We talked on the first night about being desperate. Maybe you just need to stand when nobody else around you is. Or okay, if you need to raise an eyebrow, we'll let you do that. But tonight, church, family, beloved, can we let him do something in us tonight, the principle of the kingdom, so we can be the real life reproduction of the conveyance of the life, the flow of the life of Jesus in our day. Could we please tonight? Would you let him? Would you let him tonight in a new way? Please respond with us as, find a way to respond tonight as Ron leads us. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask, to be like Him, all through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask is to be like
Lord Jesus, we thank you for declaring the good news so clearly to us tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that you only choose cracked pots like us, fragile clay vessels through which to reveal your glory. Thank you, God, for relieving us of the pressure of carrying the weight of world on our shoulders. Thank you for choosing us to be the means by which you convey who you are to us and through us. Can I pray for those responding to you tonight that you would bring transformation, that you would lift heavy weights from our shoulders, that you would change the way we think and that you would change the way we are being in relationship with you, that you would set us free to walk joyfully in the flow of who you are and what you are doing in the world. God, for those that are wrestling and still weary and still trying to process if this is just some Pollyanna, idealistic kind of idea. God, would you continue to speak this good news over us even as we go? Maybe you'd help us even to cross paths with others this week that are living evidence that this actually does work, that you actually do this through broken, fragile vessels like us. God, make us a living witness of the good news that we actually can abide in you just as you abide in the Father and the Father in you. Help us to step into the flow of who you are and what you're doing tonight, Jesus. Send us out encouraged and strengthened by the good news tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.